This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Kia ora, I'm Jen Black and welcome to The Short Read. This week I'm joined by Kelly Anamore who came third in the Sunday Star Times short story competition. Later on you'll hear her piece, I'm Not Even Half As Good As Glory In Real Life. Fair warning, there's quite a few expletives in this one. But first, let's hear from Kellyana herself. How does it feel to get third place? Um, I was really, really surprised, actually, because um, initially, like, I started the story a week before the competition closed, and it was because Metro did a shout-out for a story, and a friend had told me about a friend of hers that was hooking up with some guy on Tinder who had adopted one of her dogs, um, and then another friend is always telling me her outrageous Tinder stories. And I just kind of put the two together and started writing and it just got swearier and swearier and swearier. And I thought, Metro's not going to touch this. <laughs> and I genuinely thought Dom was the judge and I thought, oh, Dom would like this. And I sent it in, not realising that, of course, it was Owen who was the judge for the open section. And, um, yeah, I was absolutely gobsmacked. So I really only owned the story for about a week before it's no longer mine. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so just for people who are listening, what's the story about? It's The plot is about a girl trying to steal her dog back, her missing dog back. But really, I think it's a story about friendships and particularly those sort of really loose, easy friendships that don't require a lot of effort from each other that, you just you're just there for each other, and 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 honestly, people who have read it have all said that it reminds them of themselves, and they'll have a friend who's, who's Emma the sidekick. Yeah. So, good universal appeal, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember when I read it, and I was like. Yeah, there are definitely some friends who I could call in the middle of the night to pick me up from Piha and steal a dog. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, like... Exactly. We all need friends like that. Yeah, and you've talked a little bit about what inspired you to write this already. Um, but, you know, you were just chatting with friends about Tinder stories. Is there... Was there anything crazier than what happened in the story that's happened? Yeah, she won't tell me, though. <laughs> I mean, she tells me the funny ones, but there's some that are a bit dark, and she's like, no, I have to process it all a little bit more first. Um, but one, I like the weird ones, and she's not so keen on telling me the weird ones. But I just, it kind of had its own energy. It just got up, and it ran really fast. Like, I'm not a short story writer. I'm a novelist. You know, that's what I do. Um, I can count my short stories on one hand, basically. And I've actually written three this year, which and which have all been published, which is just weird. And and yeah, it just got up and it wrote itself. And when it does that, you just go with it. Mm. And do you think you're kind of stepping into a new phase of writing short stories? You said you've written three this year, and now you know you, you you're normally a novelist. Well, no, but in the section of the novel I'm working on at the moment, one of the characters is told. Her section is entirely told in standalone short stories. So, uh, so I've been kind of teaching myself how to write short stories all year to do that section. And um, I'm definitely getting better at it. It's 
Practice is a wonderful thing. Mm. What are your aspirations with your writing? What's the next big thing you want to do? Oh, when the book would be good. <laughs> um, um, I just would like to kick my latest novel over the line, which hopefully I'll do next year, and maybe win another New Zealand Book Award would be nice. You know? And then I want to move on and write a lady detective novel. Oh, you know, New Zealanders do love a good detective novel. Well, I'm going to set mine in the nineteen in sort of like nineteen oh five. Okay, yeah, so, I do. Quite so like she's that. a she's a trouser wearing, cigarette smoking lady detective. Oh, pantsuits always win. Um, and if people want to, you know, uh, find you somewhere, is it quite easy to get your work? Where can we look for it? I'm, I'm a little bit out of print at the moment because it's been about six years since my last novel. I'm very slow. Um, but libraries have hold, have my holdings. All my books are um, in libraries. And I think there's five I think there's five novels and maybe three non-fictions. I think I'm on novel number six. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, I've, I've written a lot and I've won lots of prizes. Yeah. And did you, did you always want to be a writer? Was that something oh, that's always been in the, in the works? Oh yes, when I was little, like when I was a kid at primary school, I worked out really quickly that we had creative writing on. I think it was like a Friday afternoon, and I would prep for creative writing, and then my mother would read my stories and she would correct them and push me to to be better. Like my mother was teaching me how to rewrite when I was about six or seven, <laughs> and you're and, still and, writing now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like she taught me, like, I find critique so easy and editing so easy because nobody was as hard on me as my mother ever was. <laughs> awesome. And what's your favourite piece that you've written? Um, yeah, probably my first novel, I, Bloom, which was published in 2003, which is still in print, and, and it, yeah, I won a New Zealand Book Award for that one, and... But usually it's the latest thing I'm working on that's the current favourite child. And, and I'm kind of really quite liking Glory at the moment. <laughs> like, I really like this. I really like this short story. And, I mean, I generally don't like my own writing that much. But this one really, actually, as soon as I started writing it, I knew it had its own thing. Mm, it's such a fun read and listen. When I heard the audio from one of our lovely readers, Sapir, and when I read it, I was like on a journey, just like laughing kind of to myself as I read it. So, yeah. It's, it's, I do write for voice a lot because writing dialogue is my favourite thing to do. I find description quite hard, but I've always been really good at dialogue. And, um, and so when I, when I do have stuff produced with voice and read, it actually always sounds so much better. For sure. And there was one question I wanted to ask you when we were reading um, the story. There was um, the term DSPFB. Now, what does that mean? Uh, that's just me shortening up his name, I think, isn't it? Yeah, um, probable, probable, probable dog-thieving fuckboy and something like that. And because I had it so many times through the text, I mean, I think it took the number of, of times I said fuck up to something like 37. Um, and I looked at it and thought, oh, no, I'll just take it down to just almost doing it as, as an acronym kind of thing. Just And, and I quite, yeah, D-S-P-F-B is what his name is. And that just kind of made it quite tough. Probable fuck boy, yeah. 
and <laughs> because I, I kept, I wrote it out the first time I my first pass through, and it was just it was just a little bit much, and it's like okay, I'll shorten that down to just in the, just you know the capital letters, which is kind of a texty way of doing it anyway, and um and it just it made reduce the number of times that we'd have to deal with the swearing and that's a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it kind of also is like code language that you'd have between mates anyway. You'd be like you wouldn't say the whole thing all the time. Oh, of course not. Yeah, yeah. Um and, and let's face it, these two girls like lying on the couch a lot. My kind of ladies. My kind of ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Um but thanks so much for having a yarn with us, Kellyana. Um and here is Sapir uh, reading, I'm not even half as good as Glory in real life. I'm not even half as good as Glory in real life. Fuck me, I say. It can't be. What? replies Emma, who's lying on the other sofa. It's Saturday night and we're a little bit toasted from the last of the weed we scored from Emma's cousin and scrolling relentlessly on our phones. Tinder for me, trade me for Emma. Both are dangerous. Emma could end up with even more credit card debt, and given my Tinder history, I'm just one bad choice away from being dismembered in a freezer in some nutter's basement. Though so far, to be honest, it's mostly been guys wanting to impress me with their get-rich-quick hopes and dreams. God, I just want to crush them. Both the men. And their hopes and dreams. I really do. But I don't. I just sit there smile blandly and die a bit more inside, one conversation at a time. It's Badger. I'm sure it's him. This guy on Tinder is holding him in his profile photo. Nice change from a fish or a dead pig. Emma pauses, trade me scrolling and completely changing the subject, says, Oh, that is nice. Aesthetic movement gorgeousness right there. Drew would approve. Emma watches a lot of antiques shows and refers to the experts and dealers who populate the bulk of her viewing by their first names. M? What? Badger. So anyway, Badger. Badger was, is, my seven-year-old crossbred Jack Russell who went missing about 18 months ago. Not that there was anything unusual in that. Badger went missing a lot. An open door, an unlatched gate, a car window cracked a fraction too much, and he was off. Roaming the city streets, pissing, barking, chasing, shitting and raping. Inevitably, animal control people would pick him up, scan him through the system, get in touch, extract a vast amount of money from me before they returned him. It might not have been a perfect system, but it worked. Until it didn't. Not that I've given up hope. Lassie always found her way home, so why not Badger, who was far more resourceful than a collie with two close-together eyes. Show me, Emma says. I chuck my phone over. Oh, wow, she says, looking at the screen. That totally looks like Badger. It does, doesn't it? The guy looks okay, too. Emma scrolls and starts to read. I like good food, foreign art films, good music and tramping. My best mate is Jack the Jack Russell. Jesus, he should be shot for that crime against the bloody obvious. I'm looking for friendship first with the possibility of it developing into a long-term relationship. Yeah, and we all know that translates as total fuckboy. I laugh. Emma looking for the bad in everything since forever. And that's why I love her. If, continues Emma, he says he likes long walks on the beach and talking about his feelings, can we track him down? 
would kill him like vengeful feminist assassins? Oh, for sure. That seems totally legit. We've just binge-watched Killing Eve, and Emma thinks we have all the makings to be excellent, vengeful feminist assassins. I have my doubts, we're both pretty lazy, but I do absolutely fucking covet a Molly Goddard tulle dress, so maybe that's enough. Where does he live? Emma scrolls. 40 kilometres away? That could be anywhere. You're going to hook up with him, right? Um, yeah, I have to find out whether it's Badger or not. I think this may be a job for Glory Wintergarden, says Emma. I think you're right. I get up from the couch and go to my room to look for the old phone that I use for purposes, Glory Wintergarden. Let me explain. When I think things have the potential to get sketchy, I become Glory, a fun lady who's looking for good banter and chillaxing times, which is a polite way of saying whore with low standards and zero expectations. Not gonna lie, that's sometimes been pretty accurate. And since we're doing full disclosure, sometimes I'm not even half as good as Glory in real life. It's past midnight when the dog-stealing probable fuckboy also swipes right and immediately messages. I'm in town for the night. Want to meet up? Can't. I'm in Wellington for the weekend. Game for a coffee later in the week, though. This is not my first rodeo. Never leave room for negotiation. Wow, Emma says, when I drop into the antiques shop where she works. A few days later on my way to meet the DSPFB. You look nice. Not like you to make an effort. I know. I even brushed my hair. But if it is Badger, I'm probably going to need DSPFB to want to see me again while I take the lay of the land. I need time to put a plan together. That's what Villanelle would do. I guess, Emma says. Or you can just tell him about Badger going missing. Or I could do that. I agree. This had all kicked off yesterday in a flurry of messaging, as DSPFB and I arranged to have coffee today at the cafe across the road from the shop where Emma works. Is it okay if I bring my dog? I'm trying to make it up to him for leaving him with my mum for the weekend while I was in town. Sure. I love dogs. Emma and I lurk in the doorway of the shop, watching the cafe. As all the clocks in the shop start striking the hour, a guy with a black and white terrier on a lead stops outside the cafe ties his dog to the base of a table, and goes inside. That's got to be him, right? I reckon, says Emma. He looks okay, too. Em, I say, in mock affront. I was talking about Badger. Yeah, me too, Emma replies. Okay, here he comes. DSPFB walks out of the cafe with a newspaper, sits down at the table the dog is tied to. He reaches down and gives the dog a quick pat. Good boy. A few minutes later, his coffee is delivered. Well, are you going? Emma asks. I guess. It has to be Badger. I have to know. So I walk out of the shop and across the road. Badger sees me before the DSPFB and hits the end of his lead at speed. He's not the biggest dog in the world, but he's solid and manages to drag the table a short distance before I reach him and squat down. Hello, you, I whisper in his ear as he wriggles onto my lap and tries to frantically lick my face. I hear a chair scraping as DSPFB stands up and comes around to where Badger and I are having our clandestine reunion. Wow, DSPFB says. He really likes you. Sorry about that. I look up and suddenly realise that I have no plan at all. None.
Ridiculously cute, but in a way that's hard to describe, I tell Emma later. Not exactly pretty, or classically handsome. It's weird. He has this profile, kind of like a sheep or a Siamese cat. I'm sure there's a word for it. Starts with a vowel, maybe? I'll ask Twitter, Emma says. Her thumbs a well-practiced blur across her phone screen. Literally seconds later, we have a word. Ursine. No, ovine. Ursine is bear-like. Definitely ovine. Yep, ovine. So ovine is the word we're looking for, apparently? Yeah, so yeah, like a sheep. But I don't know, also sexy as hell. Like, better for not being too obviously good-looking. You know, like Adam Driver. Oh, I like him, Emma agrees. But he's an idiot, right? DSFPB, not Adam Driver, obviously. Well... Oh, wow. You're a bit into him, aren't you? Maybe, I confess, and proceeded to tell Emma about how DSPFB had been seemingly charmed by my general grim outlook on life, and even started to play along with the joke when I trotted out my theory of eternal disappointment. I mean, kudos to him. Most guys message me a few hours after meeting up, expressing a reluctance to pursue any further contact due to my negativity. Bitch, what the fuck is your problem? Like you, apparently. So yeah, fucking hell, this is not how it was supposed to roll at all. But the best bit, I conclude, was Badger, lovingly licking my feet under the table. It was as close to a perfect moment as someone like me is entitled to expect. That's just gross, Emma says. So, in the absence of a plan, I make another plan with DSPFB to grab dinner and a movie later in the week. Pizza and something artsy? Kill me now. There'll be reading involved. I know artsy means subtitles. Sure, that sounds perfect. Stupid date is perfect. What the actual hell? Well, not quite. The film has subtitles, but it's at the Civic, which I love. And Badger hasn't come along. My mum Kathleen's got him for the evening. We part at the cinema. DSPFB says he has an early start. I pretend I do too, and although he offers to drive me home, I brush him off. There is no way I want him knowing where I live. I'm planning to rob him, after all. Sorry I had to head off early last night. Why don't you come out to Piha on Saturday? I'll cook you dinner. Can my friend Emma come too? I don't drive. She's a gluten-intolerant vegan. This is not even close to true. I do drive, I just don't have a car. And Em's favourite pizza is a meat lover's. Every single time. No, she cannot, even though she sounds like a gem. I'll come and pick you up. Where do you live? I'm working until five, so maybe pick me up outside the museum. I may have told DSPFB that I worked at the museum, which used to be true. I part-timed at the gift shop one summer holidays while at university. This could have proven to be a bit dumb, really, because... It's a sodding rat race getting there from Kingsland on public transport. Though luckily, M decides we should make an outing of it and drives us there. Last one to decorative arts is a Philistine. When we walk out, as the museum is closing at 4.30, DSPFB is waiting in the car park out front. He's keen, says Emma. Who's that? DSPFB asks, as Em and I part company. My flatmate, I say. We both work here. She looks familiar says DSPFB. This is nice, I say, walking around, looking at everything in the batch, which is one of those dinky little original ones from the early days of Aucklanders coming over the hill and down to the beach for summer. It smells like a thorough recent cleaning. 
I'd put money on the sheets being clotheslined fresh, too. DSPFB has books and records, both in alphabetical order. I'm definitely going to fuck him. Yeah, he says, opening the fridge. It's not fancy, but it's home. Beer? Wine? Or cider? Cider, please. We go outside and sit ourselves down on a pair of retro wire and vinyl bar stools that are in the middle stages of losing the war against neglect in the environment. Out at sea, wet-suited surfers, their bodies rising and falling in the choppy water, look like shark dorsal fins. So, how long have you lived here? Me personally, almost four years. I'm in the process of buying the half I don't own off my sister. Our grandmother on our mum's side left it to us. It was built by her father. Back between the wars, I think, 1920s, 30s. In each generation has added a bit to it ever since. What's your contribution? I don't know. Maybe a new bathroom and kitchen eventually? Need to punch a slightly bigger hole in that mortgage first. Luckily, there's lots of work around. Do you like your job? Must be exciting. I do, DSPFB says. Everyone wants to work in the movies, right? Met any really famous people? I have. Go on, then. Impress me. And fuck me. He does. As the sun goes down in a blaze of Instagrammable sublimeness, we walk on the beach with Badger happily chasing seagulls. Then DSPFB cooks a chicken laksa with the perfect amount of coriander and lime, and we drink just enough wine to slope off to bed without it being too awkward. Afterwards, we talk. This is the bit I find the hardest. The bloody talking. Don't say nice things. Not yet. If you do, I will despise you. So I keep it light. How long have you had Jack? Six, maybe seven years. I got him as a puppy from a breeder in Nelson. What the actual fuck? Oh, I say. For some reason, I thought he was a rescue. No, definitely not. Truly, what the actual fuck? Huh, um, okay. I'm just going to have a ciggy outside and text Emma so she knows you're not holding me hostage. Won't be a minute. I slip out of bed pick my dress up off the floor and wiggle into it. I don't bother finding my knickers, but I locate my bra because it's my favourite, and I refuse to leave it. Out in the lounge, I pick up my bag and stuff my bra in it, retrieve my ciggies and phone off the kitchen table and throw them in too. Badger jumps off the couch and goes and stands by the door and whines, hopefully. Because I don't want to spend the rest of the night looking for him, I slide out the door and check the gate is latched. It is. So I open the door and let him out and slip on my trainers. Badger heads straight to the gate. Little shit. Not my first rodeo, though, remember? I light a cigarette and pull my phone out, praying to the telecommunications gods that there's coverage down here as I open the screen up so I can text Emma. Help. Not life and death. Need rescuing from Piha. Please be awake. Please be awake. Please be awake. Operation Steelback Badger? Phew. The telecommunication guards have delivered, and Emma is, and always will be, the best. It's on, baby. I'm at least half an hour away, even at this time of night. You okay? Do I need to call the cops? We're fine. He's asleep. I'll start walking. Sweet. On my way now. I open my bag and take out the leash I put in there earlier, along with a clean pair of knickers and my toothbrush. I believe in covering all the bases. I gently pull the door of the batch closed and walk down the path, to the gate where Badger waits. Good boy, I whisper in his ear as I clip the lead to his collar. With one last look behind me, 
perhaps even with a twinge of regret, because apart from the dog thievery and lying, DSPFB had been one of my more successful Tinder hookups. I head down the street towards the road out of the bay. The moon has hoisted herself high up in the night sky and casts a cool, silvery light, so my chances of stumbling off the road and down the cliff are slim. Badger sets a brisk pace, which proves to be a monumental pain in the ass because that climb up the hill out of Piha is a bit of a killer. And well before the halfway point, I begin to wish I had hidden out somewhere in the village and waited for Emma. But I'm committed, and I press on until finally the road starts to level off and I know the worst is over. And although I know Emma is hoofing it all of the way to Piha in the Corolla, it still feels like I've been walking for bloody ever before headlights up ahead suddenly appear flicking in and out of view between the trees as a car slowly wends its way around the twists and turns of the road. I stop and wait, and a few seconds later the car comes around the corner just up ahead, bathing Badger and me in a flood of brilliance before dipping its lights and slowing down. Emma pulls up beside me. Fancy a ride? she asks. Badger and I pile into the Corolla. Emma does one of her infamous 15-point turns. We won't let her drive when the zombie apocalypse is upon us. And finally, we're on our way back to town. Never has a canine heist been so easy. I had genuinely expected it to be more exciting than this. I light us both a cigarette. You're the best, I say, handing her one. Delete Glory and chuck the SIM card, Emma says. All business, even though it's 2am and she's driving the getaway car in a Ramones t-shirt, bare legs and Ugg boots. Because that's the first place he's going to go once he realises you've done a runner with his dog. His dog? Okay, your dog. I pull Glory's phone out of my bag, open it up, and do the necessary. Then she's gone. Shame. I liked being Glory. The SIM card goes out the window. Badger and I leave town. It seems wise. Badger is essentially in witness protection now, and Auckland is a surprisingly small place. We find another town, and a new population to annoy, and I have to go through the whole process of training up the staff at the pound there because... There's always a collar to slip, a gate left open, or a car window cracked too wide. You've been listening to I'm Not Even Half As Good As Glory In Real Life by Kelly Anamore on the Short Read Podcast. The story was read by Sapir Maidon, edited by Connor Scott, and produced by me, Jen Black. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe to hear more stunning stories by up-and-coming New Zealand writers or head to www.stuff.co.nz forward slash the short read. Ka kite. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.